Hello and welcome to the American Jackal. Today, let's chatter about the controversial topic of whether a college athlete should receive compensation beyond their scholarship. As a former college athlete and a current college coach, the answer is simple, absolutely not. Little background about myself. I'm an art major, I'm an art teacher, a fierce softball competitor and a coach. I competed in two sports in college and I hold a California state teaching credential a master's in education, and I'm approaching a master's in kinesiology and sports management. I completely understand the sacrifices that it takes to be an athlete, but I am strongly opposed to paying athletes for their services in an amateur sport. To appease those on the other side of the argument, let's say that the NCAA is in fact violating antitrust laws by not paying their athletes. Then every organization who doesn't pay interns is committing an antitrust violation. How many American professions would this affect? Teachers, nurses, doctors, public safety officers, psychologists, engineers, tradesmen, most every career requiring formal training and education. I can assure you, I definitely don't want to be operated on by a surgeon who did not observe, didn't practice, didn't hone his skills prior to creating a theory. I mean, in the most gender-neutral sense possible, I refer to the doctor as a him for any listener that may have been offended. Each and every generation has seen their struggles and gains. For example, those that were in my father's and my grandfather's generation had to selflessly participate in the draft and go to war without the opportunity for choosing college or athletics. Did they get compensated for the likeness that occurred during propaganda times? Does American artists Norman Rockwell owed the amateur athletes depicted in his Saturday Evening Post revenue for having gained fame as an artist or by depicting their likeness artistically for others to consume? Or are soldiers owed a settlement for toy soldiers that connected American youth to their departed fathers? No, it's ridiculous. For less than $80 a month, they athletically gave of themselves to defend our freedoms and privileges for things like a college education. I do not mean to slay the merits of the generation's ears, but simply to point out that the things that can be touched and protected in our world didn't happen through cyberspace or for a performance. There is a value to the advancements that we are seeing in the digital market, including the ones aligned to the gained revenue seen by major sporting events and marketing deals within the NC2A. In my opinion, this simply redefines the athlete as an entertainer or simply as an intern. Beyond that, their internship is already paid in benefits, which is way more than some can receive in today's workforce. In fact, those benefits often exceed the quality of life that can be afforded by a middle-class American. I can attest to this. It seems that everything in my world costs me $1,000 a month. My truck, my house, my medical insurance, Beyond that, I have utilities and groceries. Heck, my personal trainer cost me $260 a month. I guarantee you that the fitness, health, and wellness professionals assisting those NCAA athletes are far more professionally prepared and expensive than what I can afford. For me, it's not hard to make a connection to the sacrifices given by our fathers because mine was an E-5 Army sergeant in Vietnam. I was raised by a man with discipline who puts others first and entertainment comes secondary to life responsibilities. Work in my father's eyes serves a purpose and often produces a product for human need. 
This is very unlike the privileged work that many of us, including myself, are doing in the 21st century. It is important to bring this up due to the shift in ideology sport has seen over the last decade. Sports are now being marketed and invested as a form of entertainment, where each individual athlete is seen as a performer, much like those seen on the Hollywood screen. Entertainment relationships to sport is no new adventure. As early as ancient Greece, athletes have trained to perform in front of masses, but for centuries, these athletes and their predecessors were satisfied with the honor of a victory brought home to their families and to their communities. Amateur sports have been taking place in this country for more than 265 years, and many sports like baseball and cricket spread during wartime, but were a result of recreational release or leisurely meetings between businessmen. It yields no surprise, given the history of sport, that it will be severely intertwined with the American fabric of politics, our conversations, and now more than ever before, our art. Experts believe that Americans are spending one-sixth of the total available disposable income in America consuming sports. Ultimately, this is creating an industry worth over $20 billion. On the NCAA side of things, we're talking about an industry worth only $1 billion. This unveils the very motivation behind the Generation Z athletes making demands on capital gains. It's simple. It's called greed. The NCAA is not unlike the artist or orchestrator, as mentioned earlier in the propaganda example of Norman Rockwell. The organization undergoes severe expenses in providing top-level education, facilities, and expenses to its students. The idea of a nonprofit organization reinvesting in their communities to better the experiences for all is absolutely impossible without the continued generation of funds. These athletes only see the $1 billion annual revenue on paper or listed in media and simply want a cut of it without considering the real harm that it would place on the organization and the infrastructure of amateur sports. Some really great arguments against paying athletes include how might this interfere with the intrinsic investment for athletes to attend class? That one makes me laugh, as if we've never known an athlete to skip class. Or how would it interfere with the relationships of athletes on their own teams who play different roles, big and small? My husband and I, for example, prefer college sports. He feels that college football presents a different game because there is more investment by each person on the team. I support his opinion entirely while using a different example, professional basketball versus college basketball. In the NCAA, they actually play defense, while in professional basketball, from what I've seen, there's a lot more shots, less defense. They focus on possession after possession, and in my opinion, that's not what charges a crowd. To be honest, at my last professional basketball game, which happened to be a Golden State game versus the Thunder up in San Francisco, I paid $150 to sit in the nosebleeds. I, to be honest, found the cheerleaders and the venue way more entertaining than the game. If the NCAA were to even think about opening Pandora's box and pay their athletes, they would create divisive conversations about funding which would thus interrupt the benefits and balances that have been seen with funding since Title IX. For example, the first time ever there's been a battle 
even in the media, with who has the highest paid women's softball coach. OU was able to increase the salary of Patty Gasso to $925,000, making her the highest paid female coach in the history of the United States. How did this happen? Football. How can this happen if dividends are split into the hands of athletes? It's simple. It cannot. The improvements occurring to facilities and inequity are happening by embracing the college sporting events as forms of entertainment and by advantageously marketing those events to supporting communities. These types of career pay hikes are taken so offensively by superstar Gen Z athletes that want to get paid because they think they're somebody. Gasso, like many other college coaches, has earned her value. Universities like OU provide excellence in education and in athletic opportunity to all their students. And believe it or not, this is not possible without the huge $96 million revenue that their football club brought in last year. Let's use another example. Why is it possible that the University of Texas was able to generate $141 million last year? They created their own network instead of allowing ESPN or any other network to swallow their revenue. Were athletes suing ESPN for money prior to the divide? No, because there was no due relationship. These entitled athletes need to calm down and get a dose of grateful. The people that came before them made it possible for a university to establish the knowledge, the power, and the skill to professionally broadcast games at a consumer quality level. Why do they deserve more than an education for playing? In a sense, they are being paid for future revenues that they would not have otherwise earned without the degree, or perhaps without the networking that comes along with being associated with a major university. I can only imagine that these kids being responsible for the production and promotion of hundreds of athletes on their campus. It's especially comical when their camera seems to only have one angle, right? The selfie. Richard Sherman, a professional football player and former NCAA Division I athlete, stood on national television and said, you still have to study just as hard as everyone else to get the same amount of work done. Mind-blowing to me. I'm pretty sure it's difficult for the single moms who are at those universities, as well as the people who are working full-time, paying tax dollars and contributing tuition to keep the doors open. Those doors being open allow roster positions to be filled by athletes, affording them the opportunity to earn an education that will give them an annual income of 50% greater than anyone who only has a high school diploma. Beyond that, District Court Justice Claudia Wilkins also awarded the opportunity for conferences to determine additional educational benefits outside of the scope of the NCAA, including computers and graduate educations to athletes. As an art teacher and a coach, I find that paying NCAA athletes is ridiculous. It's like a Dada's revival, but with sport performers. For those of you unfamiliar with the art history of Dadaism, it was essentially a revolt against art that questioned the validity of credits, art, and culture. Dada artists wanted to undermine the system by inserting ready-mades into high art settings. Do college athletes truly own any portion of the venue that is gaining funding just because they are a performer in it? In my eyes, they are contracted for four or fewer years as a performer within the venue. They signed up to represent the firm in a mutual agreement. Unfortunately, 
With new transfer policies, a whole entire separate issue, this contract doesn't really mean much. In fact, it really makes them an at-will volunteer who can be replaced at any time. Marcel Duchamp did not owe any of the craftspeople a portion of his artistic credit for displaying the urinal, nor do any of the modern artists in the New York MoMA owe the estate of Duchamp any revenue for the opportunity to be displayed in a successful venue. It's all part of the continued growth, and the NCAA does not owe athletes compensation as the composer of their entertainment industry. Avant-garde qualities and modern understanding of art doesn't give the right for infringement, but an artist or a performer's relationship within the system will always be a necessary part of the historical relevance of entertainment or art consumption. In a way, an argument could be made for whom is truly the artist? Is it the athlete or is it the institution? The game, which can be viewed as a performance or perhaps an installation, is truly what's generating the revenue, not the individual athlete. This comes with a myriad of consumer variables that are interlaced within the psychologies of ticket buyers, supporters, and loyal fans. For many, that bobblehead wouldn't be worth quite as much if it didn't have the right colors, the right logo, and the right organization backing it. Welcome to the art world, my friends. Your performance in another media is not your art. It's not your fortune, and it's not your meme. Until next time, signing off, A. Bailey, a coyote at the American Jackal. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.